You know, as we look back over the past several days, this weekend was a huge weekend in the life of not only our student ministry, but also our church. And for those of you who are still recovering from Movement Weekend, I hope you've had a chance to, to get some rest and to think back on how God has moved and how he's worked in your life over the past few days. You know, I've had the opportunity to be a part of student ministry for over eight years now. And weekends like Movement Weekend never get old because it is so cool to see how God uses just 72 hours to completely transform the trajectory of someone's life. It's so cool to see what happens when we unplug, when we disconnect from our routines, from our busyness, to see how God moves and works in our life and in such a short period of time. However, I think after an event like this, there's a dynamic that we all have to, to consider. I think sometimes after we experience events like Movement Weekend and Camp, that it can, be it can be difficult to figure out how to move forward. We've just seen God move in this really amazing, powerful way. And it's like Monday morning, you're sitting back in first period, and you're kind of thinking to yourself, okay, where do I go from here? What's next? How do I begin to, to live out the, the decisions that I just made this weekend? And I think that if we're not careful, if we're not smart about how we approach events like Movement Weekend and Camp, that we find ourselves in what we often call the event cycle. You've probably heard us talk about this before, but, but here's what I mean by this. Sometimes what happens is that after we, we attend a weekend like Movement Weekend or Camp, or we've been a part of some event where we've seen God move in this really powerful way, God has, has become personal to us. We've never felt closer to him. Maybe that's because we made a decision to follow him for the first time. Or maybe we've decided to go public with our faith through baptism. Whatever it, it may be in our life, whatever it is that we've experienced, we've seen God move in such a powerful way that after that event is over, we will do whatever is humanly possible to keep it going. We tell ourselves things like, all right, I just experienced God in this, this really amazing way. Now is the time that I'm going to start to take my faith seriously. I just saw God show up in this huge way in my life. Now is the time that I'm going to develop a quiet time, and I'm going to spend time in God's word every day. We tell ourselves, listen, now is the time that I'm going to really start to make church a priority. Like, I'm going to be there on Sundays and Wednesdays. Some of us, we even tell ourselves, listen, we ask our friends to, to hold us accountable. We're going to start a Bible study so that we can continue to, to learn and grow from this weekend. And so many times what happens is we have the, the very best of intentions. Like none of those things in and of themselves are, are bad. But what happens is the further we get removed from a weekend like Movement Weekend, the emotions begin to wear off. We go back to our normal routines of, of school and work and sports. We get busy with homework. We get busy hanging out with our friends, with all the things that we have going on. And slowly but surely, we begin to fall back into our old patterns and behaviors. Life begins to look really similar 
to before movement weekend, to before we had that amazing encounter with Jesus. And unfortunately what happens is we end up right back where we started, waiting for that next event, waiting for camp, waiting for movement weekend next year to come around so that we can do it all again. I think if some of us were honest in this room tonight, there's probably a few of us who find ourselves in this exact spot right now. You had this amazing emotional high at Movement Weekend. God did something really cool in your life, but over the past three days since, you have been struggling to figure out, how do I move forward? Where do I go from here? So why does this happen? Why do we so often tend to fall into to this cycle of, of events? I think there's a lot of different reasons as, as to why this happens. I think it happens from temptations that we experience, from different influences in our life, from, from peer pressure. But listen, after seeing this, this cycle play out over and over and over again for so many years, here's why I think this happens. It's because we're living out of an old identity. We're living out of an old identity, an identity that is rooted in trying to earn God's love and his favor. It's this belief that if I do the right things, if I do everything that I'm supposed to do, then God will be happy with me. Then God will be pleased with me. So, so what is your identity? When we talk about identity, what do we mean by that? You see, your identity is your view you. Your identity is your view of you. It's, it's how you see yourself. And so often we tend to view ourselves the way that other people view us. That's why we crave other people's acceptance and approval. It's why we want to be included and, and well-liked. We care what other people think about us. And I think what often happens is we take that and we translate that onto our relationship with God. We have this deep desire to be accepted by God. We want, us, we want him to, to be pleased with us, to be happy with us, which is why coming out of a weekend like Movement Weekend, where we've experienced God's presence in such a tangible, real way, that we want to, to keep it going that we wanna keep momentum moving forward. And so often the, the way we try to accomplish that is by doing good things and not doing bad things. We tell ourselves things like, I'm gonna start doing my quiet time every day. I'm gonna start a Bible study with my friends. I'm gonna be at church every Sunday and Wednesday. On the flip side, I'm gonna stop cussing at school. I'm gonna stop partying and hanging around bad influences. I'm gonna stop looking at things that I shouldn't. I'm going to fill in the blank because I don't wanna mess up what God did at Movement Weekend. But here's the problem with this, this way of thinking. It's not sustainable. It's not something that, that we can carry on because at some point along the way, you're gonna mess up. At some point along the way, you're gonna miss a few days of, of your quiet time. 
At some point along the way, you're going to miss a Wednesday night or you're going to miss a, a Sunday morning. At some point along the way, you're going to start hanging out with friends that you probably shouldn't be hanging out with or you're going to slip up and say something that you shouldn't. It is a matter of time before we fall back into our old patterns and behaviors. And when this inevitably happens, when the time comes when this happens, so often it leaves us feeling frustrated and discouraged. We begin to, to feel like we've, we've blown it. Here we go again, letting God down. Surely he must be mad at us. Surely he must be disappointed at us. And so what happens? We give up, we go back to our old way of living, and we begin looking forward to the next event where we can start over and try to get it right. And unfortunately, it's this never-ending cycle of going from event to event to event. But here's the reality. And for some of you, this is going to be a sobering thought. At some point, there is going to be no more movement weekend. There's going to be no more summer camp. Seniors, I think some of you had that realization this past weekend. You're going to graduate and you're going to move on from, from student ministry and there's going to be no more of these events that will help you to reset in your faith. They won't exist anymore. So what do we do? How do we break this cycle of going from event to event to event? You see, to, to experience genuine, lasting change, the, the kind of change that I think if we're honest, we all want to experience in life, there has to be a change in our identity, in the way that, that we view ourselves. Because ultimately, our behavior, the things that other people see, is an overflow of who we are. It's an overflow of what's going on on the inside. Bruce, who you guys heard from this weekend at Movement Weekend, he has this famous line that, that he loves to say, and I think it's so true. He says, doing comes from being. Doing comes from meaning that what you do, your actions and behaviors, they are ultimately a reflection of who you are on the inside. Your actions are a direct result of what's going on in your heart. And here's what I want you to understand. If you have placed your faith in Jesus for your salvation, then there has been a change in your identity. There has been a change in, in who you are. You see, God, he sees you differently now. You are not who you once were. And we have to learn to live in response to that new identity. Because we won't begin to experience the change that we ultimately want to see in our lives until we begin to see ourselves the way that God sees us. So tonight, as, as we wrap up, I'm going to give you just three really simple truths about our identity. Three really simple truths of, of who we are in Christ. And for some of you, these are going to be things that, that you've probably heard before. 
because they're things that we often talk about in church so many times. But unfortunately, I think they're hard for us to, to believe. They're hard for us to, to put into practice in, in our own life. So who does God say that, that we are? What is our, our identity? The first truth that I want you to see tonight is number one, that you are a child of God. You are a child of, of God. You see, we have one God that has eternally existed in, in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In church, you'll often hear it talked about as, as the Trinity. And scripture tells us that God is our heavenly father and that we are his children. In fact, this idea is foundational to understanding our identity and our faith. I want you to listen to what the apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter eight. Verse 14, he says this. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are his children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. You see, those of us who, who are led by the Spirit, meaning those of us who have the, the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we are now the, the children of God. That is our identity. That is, is who we are. But listen, we weren't always children of God. In fact, the, the Bible tells us that we used to be slaves to the law. We used to be slaves to the law. Now, now what is the law? The law are rules and commands that, that God gave us. They're commands that, that we see in the Old Testament. Things like, don't lie, don't steal, don't murder. But unfortunately, see, this law was unable to make us right with God. It couldn't change our, our relationship with God. All it did was point out how messed up we were. All it did was point out that the distance that exists between us and God. But you see, if, if we are in Christ, if we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, then there has been a change in our identity. We are no longer slaves to the law. It's not about trying harder or doing better or trying to be the best person that you possibly can. No, the, the fact is that we are God's children. There has been a change in our relationship with God. We have been adopted into his family. And listen, being in God's family, it comes with certain rights and privileges. I want you to, to just think about this for a minute. If you are a child of God, you now have direct access to your heavenly father. You don't have to approach him with, with fear and with shame or with worry. Instead, you can approach him with boldness and confidence. You can call him dad. But not only are, are you a child of God, you are a co-heir with Jesus, meaning that you have the same rights and, and privileges as Jesus. Listen, when the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, we have become children of God, meaning 
we can have that close and personal relationship with him. That has become our, our identity. The second truth I want you to see tonight, number two, is that we are God's handiwork. We are God's handiwork. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, you and I, we are God's handiwork, meaning that we are his, his workmanship. And we can see the, the fingerprints of God all over our lives. You and I, we have been designed on purpose with a purpose. God has gifted each one of you a unique set of skills. He's gifted you a unique set of abilities, of passions. He's gifted you a unique personality. And he's also created you with, with some unique aspects as well. He's created you with quirks, with things that you might not necessarily love about yourself, with insecurities. There is nothing that God has created in you that is a mistake. And why has, has God given us these things? Why has he designed us the, the way that he has? He designed us this way in order to, to do good works. For you to, to be a blessing to other people, to make a difference for his kingdom, to point other people to, to Jesus. But notice, none of these good works that, that you and I are to do are an attempt to earn God's love or to earn his approval. These good works, they are not about trying to get God on your good side. They're not about trying to make God happy so that he's pleased with you. They are your response to God's love and approval of you. They come from an overflow of, of who you already are, your identity. And listen, God ha has prepared these works far in advance, before you were born. Scripture tells us that God has a plan and a purpose for our life, and he desires to use every aspect of our life to make a difference in the lives of other people. He desires to use your, your story your experiences, your weaknesses, your personalities, your gifts, everything that makes you, you, God has intentionally designed so that you can bring glory and honor to him. The, the final truth I want you to see tonight, number three, is that we are a new creation. We are a new creation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. You see, when, when you place your faith and your trust in Jesus, you don't just become a better version of yourself. The Bible tells us that, that you have become a, a brand new creation. 
Something has, has fundamentally changed about your nature. You change at your core. In fact, the Bible goes as far to tell us that, that when we place our faith and our trust in Jesus, we die to our old self and we put on the new self. And listen, this is why you and I, we can't lose our salvation. There's nothing that, that we can do after we've been saved to, to separate us from God because who you are has been changed forever. The, the old is gone and the new is here and, and that can't be undone. Your identity, it, it has been permanently changed. I want you to, to see what Paul goes on to say in verse 20. He says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You see, if you are a new creation, then you are God's ambassador. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is someone who is sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign nation. And we are God's ambassadors here on earth. You are God's representative in your family, at your school, on your sports teams. And he is making his appeal for salvation through each and every one of us. God uses us as ambassadors to, to reach the people around us. People who might never hear the, the good news of Jesus. Students, I, I don't want you to miss this. You are a child of God. You are a co-heir with Christ. You are his handiwork. You've been designed on purpose, with a purpose, and you are a new creation. Listen, you and I, we represent God here on earth. That is who you and I are. That is, is our identity as, as Christ followers. For years, I have always been big on setting goals for the upcoming year. How many of you every year make New Year's resolutions for yourself? So for the past few years, I've been, been kind of big on, on making New Year's resolutions. In fact, I tend to keep my resolutions on my notes app in my phone. That way I can kind of check in through the year and, and see where I'm at with, with some of my goals. And several years ago, one of my New Year's resolutions was to read more books. I know it's kind of lame, but one of my goals that I had for the upcoming year was, was to read more books. And I've always been impressed with, with people who enjoy reading. How many of you actually like to read? All right, a good number of you. In case you didn't realize this, people that read are some of the smartest people that you'll ever meet. No, it's true. And for the longest time, I had the desire to, to become a reader. So much so that I made it my New Year's resolution that for an entire year, I was gonna read two books a month. Two books a month. Doesn't sound that, that difficult. But unfortunately, I've, I've never been able to, to do it consistently. 
it always felt like I would start off the, the year really strong. I would spend a few minutes reading every day, but after the, the first few days, I'd slip back into my old routines and, and habits, and I could never stick with it. It was really hard to, to change my behavior and to develop a, a brand new habit. Well, coincidentally, same time all of this was going on, our lead pastor, our staff team read a book. And the name of that book was, was called Atomic Habits. And if you've never read it, I would, would actually recommend it because it's a pretty good book. But the whole idea of this book is that you can create a new behavior or habit, but you first have to build a new identity. If there's a new habit or behavior that you're wanting to form, you first have to build a new, new identity because the root of behavior change is your identity. If you change your behavior, excuse me, if you change your identity, the, the type of person that you believe you are, then it's easier to change your behaviors and your actions. And so I took this book that I was reading and I, I began to apply it to this goal that I had for myself. Of, of wanting to read more books. And I began to, to think to myself, rather than creating a, a new habit of, of reading more, and, and to force myself to do something that, that didn't come easy to me, I needed to, to begin to change my identity, how I, I saw myself. I needed to, to become a reader. And so I started to think to myself, okay, what, what do readers do? What do people that, that like to read do? Well, to start with, most of them set aside an intentional time every day to read. Might be in the mornings, might be in the evenings, but they have a set time that they like to read during the day. What else do readers do? They develop a list of books that they want to read. They put together a, a list of books that, that interest them. What else do readers do? They don't get distracted by their phone when it's time to read. They're able to down and concentrate and to focus. They have a plan for their reading and they stick to it. So what happened? I started to, to operate out of this new identity of, of being a reader. Even though it wasn't easy, I, I stuck to it. I would set aside time in the evenings to, to pick up a book. I put together a list of books that I wanted to, to finish throughout the course of the year. I would sit my phone down so that I wouldn't get distracted. And here's what happened. Over time, my behavior and my actions began to match my new identity. Instead of dreading sitting down and, and reading a book, I began to, to enjoy it. I no longer read because I thought I had to do it, I read because I wanted to. My actions were an overflow of who I was. And guess what? That year, I finished over 20 books, a goal that I had never thought that I could accomplish. A goal that I never thought I had accomplished at the beginning of the year. All because I began to change my identity. I began to change 
how I saw myself. Listen, guys, the, the same is, is true when it comes to, to the Christian life. The same is true when it comes to the Christian life. Don't just force yourself to, to try and have a quiet time. Don't just try to, to develop a, a new behavior or habit. Remind yourself that, that you are a child of God. And what does a child do? They spend time with their father. A, a quiet time isn't something that, that you have to do. A child of God is who you are, so you spend time with your heavenly father. Listen, don't just try to, to be a good person and, and do the right things. Instead, remind yourself that, that you are God's handiwork. You have been designed by God on purpose, with a purpose, and he has created you to, to do good works. Good works aren't just something that you do. Good works are an overflow of who you are because you love God. Listen, don't just try to, to fight sin. Don't just try to, to white knuckle it and try to re resist it. Remember that you are a brand new creation. The old you is, is gone. Fighting sin isn't something that you just do. You have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer you, but it is Christ who lives in you. Listen, don't just try to, to be a good example for Jesus. Don't just try not to, to cuss or to gossip or lose your temper. Listen, you are an ambassador of God here on earth. You represent your heavenly father wherever you go. You live your life in a way that honors God because that is who you are, not because you have to. So, so the question that I wanna leave you with tonight is, is simple. But I think it's a question that many of us struggle to, to answer at times. Are you living out of your old identity or are you living out of your new identity? Have you found yourself in a season of life where you have been trying to earn God's favor and his approval by doing all the right things? Have you found yourself in a season where you're trying to be a good person these past few days, you're trying to do the right things because you don't want to mess up what God did in your life at a movement weekend. Listen, guys, if you want to see lasting change in your relationship with Jesus, if you want your relationship with Jesus to be more than just a roller coaster of emotional highs and, and lows, then we have to live out of our new identity. We have to live out of who we already are in Christ. Because listen to me, you are a child of God who has been uniquely designed to, to do good works and to bring glory to your Father in heaven. But do you believe it? Do you believe it? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that your word clearly defines who we are and how much you love us. 
God, when we make the decision to, to place our faith and trust in you, your word tells us that, that we become children of yours, that we can approach you with, with boldness and, and confidence, our identity, and it has been changed. But so many times we try to operate out of this old identity. We feel like we have to do all the right things or say all the right things and make good decisions all the time in order for you to be happy with us. But God, that's not what you desire from us. You desire that we understand this, this new identity that has been given to us. And so Father, I pray that as, as we move forward from Movement Weekend, as we think about the, the decisions that we've made, as we think about the way that you have, have moved and, and worked in our life, God, I pray that we would not find ourselves caught up in this cycle, this cycle that comes from, from living out of our old identity. God, I pray that we would truly begin to understand who we are because of you, who you say that we are, because living out of our new identity gives us the power and the freedom to live a life that honors you. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name that we pray, amen.